0: Hello, listeners. A slight caveat before I start the show. Unfortunately, Tony was fighting some technical gremlins, and you'll notice about 20 minutes in his audio changes as he had to move devices. I hope this doesn't affect your enjoyment in listening. The Stathology must go on. Mike. Camera. Action.
1: If you're going to deal with him, you just
2: got to make sure you don't end up owing him. Because then you're in his debt, which means you're in his pocket. And once you're in that, you ain't ever coming out.
1: Well, here is a good fighter, so I'm going to use him. But I'll be doing you a favor, boy. What he means is, I'm doing him a favor. Because everybody knows, nobody takes a dive in my fights, unlike his. Here, Errol, I don't think he likes me. You don't like me, do you, boy? Then what you mean? I do know I can't wait to get out of here. Fuck me, it stinks. I like my fights to finish prompt so we can get the punters out before the authorities find out. Now, play your cards right, and I'll sort you out. You can sort me out by showing me out. It's hard enough to make a living in the boxing world, so every now and then you've got to do something that might not agree with your principles. Basically, you have to forget you've gotten it. And I late this sheer pigs. Who the fuck's talking to you, boy? Oh yeah, Tommy. Brittop loves Tommy. Now don't let me down. You don't want to let me down, do you, boy? See your ringside.
0: Welcome back to the Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film from an actor's complete back catalogue from past debut through to present day in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from the focus filmography and consider how it ranks amidst their career and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical tics. For episode two, I'm joined by not just one diamond geezer, but two. There's bullet tooth Tony Farina and sweet enough Tonya Todd, to discuss the second appearance of the Staith in Guy Ritchie's Snatch. We watch, you listen, and hopefully watch along too. So Tony, Tonya, thank you so much for coming on the show. So early into his existence, you are both mustered. <laughs>
3: Thanks for having us. <laughs> thank
2: you. Oh, that's very exciting. I mean, when you put up the list, we were both like,
3: "Ooh, snatch!"
2: <laughs> so, thank you, thank you for allowing us to not have to rock, paper, scissors, and having us both.
3: Yes. Well, thank you for sharing. You you already booked it, Tony. So thank you for sharing with me.
2: Happy to be here. Happy to have you, friend. It's always the three of us. It's always a good talk. So oh, it
3: is. Day. It yeah. is. At least for us. Yeah, <laughs> right. about Everybody else is like those three again. <laughs> well, Jesus. <laughs>
0: There was a a rush for a few and there's a few that are still sitting there (laughs) unclaimed. Um, I'm going to have to start twisting some on soon, but this is definitely one which, yeah, I think if you guys hadn't got in early, there have been a few others chomping at the bit to, to get into. So let's think about the film, but Jason Statham as well. Are you both Statham fans?
3: I'm not, not a fan, but I mm-hmm. have followed his career. Like I sure. like the stuff he does. He's fun to watch on screen, mm. but he's not someone I follow. I don't know much about his personal life, mm. but when he's there, it's like, oh, this'll be cool.
0: Okay. Yeah. He has that kind of cachet that you are happy to see him. I like that. Yeah. Right. Tony?
3: Yeah. No,
2: this is my first stafe. I saw this mm-hmm. one first mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I immediately went back and watched Lockstock. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, so it's not like I've, I've been like every movie he's in, mm-hmm. but because I have a crush on the one as a film, mm-hmm. like as a dumb film, like if it's one of those ones, it's like people call it a guilty pleasure. But as I've aged, I'm like, fuck that. I love that. Yeah. Like, I love <laughs> that movie so much because um, it's parallel dimensions. It's something I love. Jet Li is mm-hmm. a machine. He's. I Why he, should you
3: feel guilty about it. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely.
2: It's one. So, so when I saw them together in the one, that was great. So, I was like, I saw that because it was a Jet Lee movie. I love Jet Lee, Li. like Romeo yeah. was die. was fucking amazing. And he's so great. And so I saw that and I was like, oh, there's that guy. And so that was it. it believe it, it wasn't this that made me stand up and realize who he was. It was his Jet Lee movies that mm-hmm. he did. And then, of course, when Expendables came out, he had solidified himself as a different guy than he was here, which I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll mm-hmm. talk about. So, um, yeah. And of course, the Meg was absurd and mm-hmm. i loved it so much so I just I like that he's um slowly becoming he's become something different and it's been cool to see his career evolve mm. like I love wild card too and I know that mm-hmm. everybody gets pissed because the marketing of wild all the action is in the trailer for wild card the rest <laughs> of the movie is literally them playing cards it's a poker movie <laughs> you know it's a movie about Vegas it's not about action so people get super pissed so
3: you know i actually had a chance to meet him years ago because my boss was very involved with planet hollywood here in vegas and he would get invited to all these big events that they would do there and the expendables guys were all Mm. there but you know i didn't want to be one of the twinks going out with the boss so i i passed (laughs) that's fed yeah didn't stallone own part of that Mm. Yeah, and, and, and Schwarzenegger and Willis, right? And Arnold Schwarzenegger and
0: I think Bruce mm. Willis.
3: Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, there you go. But they, were all all there. Those, they were all there. They were all there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's funny how these moments happen. I think there's two ways of think, isn't there? I was passing through London Waterloo when they'd been filming The Bourne Ultimatum, so Matt Damon was there. So I was just passing through, and there's a massive crowd. You're know, like, well, something's going on. I will go and have a look, and he's there as people all crowded around him, like wanting their little piece, their little few minutes. And, you know, it would have been very easy to get swept up and going, and going to join in on that. But I think seeing that kind yeah. of, that behavior made me step away. It would have been a cool story. I met Matt Damon today. But um, I can see, like, your throat, thought process there as well. Like
3: I wasn't an actor yet, so I didn't
0: think this could be mm. a good networking opportunity. It was
3: just, yeah, I don't want to be one of the girls with the boss. Mm. <laughs> sure. That's
2: smart, smart move.
3: Mm. Yeah. I'm the smart girl, not the pretty girl. Well. <laughs>
2: calm down hey don't well <laughs> you are the i mean can't you be both is what yeah, i was absolutely why why is it one or the other why can't you be i'm the smart pretty girl
0: well that's the dumb that's
2: what
3: pretty girls like to hear
2: oh i see okay well i hear what and, you're saying though. and
3: since i'm smart and not pretty i don't need to hear it
0: and we'll both just say something. And bad. back away really. <laughs> We're slowly. just gonna stop talking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Show's over, everybody. <laughs> so uh, we, so that's snatch. Uh see you for episode three. Um State is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not pretty. <laughs> oh, he's very pretty.
2: He's
3: handsome. He's handsome.
0: Yes, handsome is a better word for it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's rugged.
3: There are he's pretty rugged. men, but I don't think mm. of him as pretty.
0: No, no, that is a fair shout, yeah. He has, a, he has a presence, doesn't he? Which um
3: Oh, he definitely does.
0: Yeah, I hope we'll get to in this film because being only his second film... I think, yeah,
3: he definitely had a presence in this. Yeah,
0: and, and now obviously the, the, through the concepts of seeing him grow and seeing him change, as you alluded to, Tony, before, like how he's become, you know, he must be one of the best paid, most recognisable actors on the planet now, thanks to the kind of Fast and Furious roles I would have thought on Expendables. But... Seeing the the evolution is really interesting, but from Lockstock to this is a massive leap in terms of his presence on the screen and his acting ability, which we'll get into in a bit more depth, I think, as we go. But already, two films in, it's quite fascinating to see his evolution, his growth.
3: Especially with so many big characters in this Mm. film, Mm. he was not meant to be the scene stealer. And I don't Mm. think that he did. There were plenty Mm. of scene stealers, but he still held his own as Mm. a more reserved character. You... Remembered him. You paid attention to him. And a lot of his dialogue was memorable, too. Mm. He's the straight man. And that's yeah. tough. Yeah, but, and, it, I mean, but it was effective, even though there were so many shiny, happy people mm. in this. Like, you know, there are so many people that would grab your attention.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the straight man's always the hardest role to play because your your job is to be unmemorable. And so because he is memorable, as you said, Tanya, in shiny is the right Without thing. Without trying. Without mm. trying, because Brad Pitt is the shiniest bit. Right. right. Talk about pretty, and this is like <laughs> him at the height of his powers. Yeah. And he's got his, you know, nine pack, and he's got exactly that where his whole body is saying, "Look at my junk," and mm. you are like, "Okay." And here, you know, he's he, and yet he's on screen with Statham, and you're like, "Hey, that other guy's doing something amazing." Mm. So it is, it is pretty impressive. Like in the the like way the that fact he,
3: that you notice someone else is on screen with Brad Pitt. Mm. Good job, other person.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So you guys were coming to Snatchers fans already? You'd seen it before?
3: Yes, definitely mm-hmm.
2: saw it. Many, many times before. Yes, yes. it's uh. But glad th- to
3: have an excuse to watch it again.
0: I
2: know, darn. Just like, oh,
3: man. Actually, I go watch on the Snatch calendar. Again. Books. <laughs> Must watch this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forget how much fun it is every Mm -hmm, time you watch mm -hmm. it. You're like, it's one of those ones where, you know, some movies you rewatch and you rewatch and they're just like, they're like, oh, that's like soup. It just makes me feel good. You And that's okay. You can kind of, you can zone out or whatever. But this movie, as many times as I've seen it, it doesn't allow you to zone out. It's so fun and it knows what it is. Um, like I could just this is the
3: first time I watched it after writing screenplays and so Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it through a new lens of wow Mm -hmm. this is really good writing Mm. the pacing is so good you're just sticking with it the whole time and there's no getting a drink period you know there's no Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's no area where you'd be like "Uh, I can go get a drink for this part nope (laughs) you just suffer you just keep watching and then you forget that you even needed a drink because you're, you're drinking up the screen. They were all so good. The performances were so good in this. Even people I didn't know. Mm. And the editor for the yes.
0: Win. <laughs> and had the music,
3: the soundtrack. Oh my god,
0: yeah. so good.
2: Yeah. So I, I, it's one of those ones you forget. I, you just like in your mind, you're like, oh, snatch, so good. You know, love it for all the reasons. Mm -hmm, then you're mm -hmm. like, even Vinnie Jones. I mean, and I'm not. Oh, I I I love him in this. (laughs) He's great (laughs) in this. He is. What I love is the way that you in his flashback scene where he's got the long hair and becomes Tony. Mm -hmm. And then you cut to him in his suit with this hair, you know, right. Like he's even making fun of everybody's image of him a little Mm -hmm. bit. Right. Because he plays it really tight Mm -hmm. and he's really like. He articulates very well, and it's not what you expect out of Vinnie Jones. So I think everybody's just so fun. I mm-hmm. think, I mean, you want to talk about pretty people, Robbie, pretty people, Robbie Gee, who plays Vinny. Every time he's on the screen, you're like, he's so charismatic. Like, because he's always seems confused, right, when it's the three of them together, and then when other characters pop in and out, Vinny's always like, and he's just so charismatic and you and you forget like I don't know who Robbie McGee is and I don't know what else he's in but mm-hmm. as like again he's in I'm like oh my god that guy's amazing why isn't he a star look at him he just <laughs> like so there's that it's just it, it it has that kind of thing where everybody gets a moment to shine and that is tough in a mm. movie with 40 leads for everybody to have a memorable moment that is a, that could in somebody else's hands or should have made them a star you know and whether mm-hmm. actor's choice or whatever so I just had
0: such a fun time it's interesting is it because sometimes you you see I watch a few behind the scenes stuff to prepare for tonight and you watch some of these sometimes and you wonder where that energy and that joy behind the scenes went because you see the film and it's dour or there doesn't seem much chemistry between but I think here what was going on amongst the actors, amongst the, the the cast and the crew. And everyone was mucking in and they were teaching each other about fines. And there was all this kind of, it was basically a group of blokes having a laugh. And then there was a camera on every now and then. And that definitely translates to the screen, I think, in this instance.
3: Yeah. I did read about the fines that uh, mm. to keep to keep a tight ship. It was, you will show up on time. You will do your job. You will not screw around when you're yeah. on set. you know? because it could be too easy to to just start wasting money on set
0: especially with yeah. a
3: group like this
0: and you know it's, t- it's 10 million it's a significant rise up from lock stock which was something like 1.8 i think or 1, 1. 1.3 so up mm-hmm. to 10 so significant rise but also not really that big when you consider there is brad pitt there is benicia del toro there is right arena these guys must be turning up for minimum wage for them in order to to take a part right, they it. just
3: wanted to work with this guy you know it's like who is this guy yeah <laughs> well, i
0: mean brad pitt literally courted him didn't he? he gave him got his agent to give him a call and said like i've got brad pitt on the phone he wants a part and they had to figure out how that was going to work so
3: yeah since you
0: don't speak
3: english like we do <laughs> <laughs>
0: right yeah well nobody speaks english like brad pitt does in this movie to be fair <laughs>
3: yeah i'm not sure that was english
2: yeah <laughs> yeah I'd, h- how much of that do you know, Jack, and your research, did you find mm-hmm. how much of that is is scripted? Like the Coen brothers, mm,
1: mm. every
2: in, in every one of their movies, everything mm. that seems like it's improvised isn't. So they like every don't you know in Fargo oh, is written
0: and everything, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yes. So they don't fuck around with their there's no yeah. improvising on a Coen brothers set. Like, don't fuck around. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Trust us. And people do. And, but with this, I was just curious, you know, like if you knew how much of Brad Pitt, because he's Brad Pitt, they're like, we just want you to mumble your way through some stuff. So as long <laughs> yeah. as you say these words, you know, it's from my If As long as you say that at the end yeah. of your ramble, we're good. Is that how he did it? Do I think know?
0: so. There's not any kind of official, but it feels like a combination, doesn't it? There's, there's clear points he's got to hit, as you said. It does. The periwinkle blue, like we've got mm-hmm. to hit that at some point, but go for it, like have fun. And I think... Yeah, he really does, because he'd come into a lot of flack a few years before for Devil's Own when he's playing like another Irish character. I think he's playing like a, a bomber, isn't he? I think in that.
3: Yeah.
0: And he got a lot of like criticism for his accent, I think. So, again, it was another chance to have a bit of fun. I think these are the moments when somebody like Brad Pitt, as famous as he is, shows you who he is, I think, and why he's managed to be such a screen and celebrity presence for so long. Because he doesn't take himself too seriously. He'll turn up and do this silly. I was, saw the trailer for that Lost City the other day with Sandra oh my Bullock God, and that Channing And yeah, I was like, yeah. what rap in this as well? Just like in a really small part. And he's turning up in Deadpool 2 for two seconds. And, um, oh, sorry, Tonya. <laughs> she I thought doesn't that was know old. who he is. I thought that was old enough. I thought I was old enough. I apologize. She doesn't know who know. he is.
2: It's all right. You won't know. <laughs>
0: um. So... I've, I've this is why i stopped know, doing the really... moon
3: night stuff it's like you know what yeah. i'll just yeah, wait until the enough. end <laughs>
0: um yeah so i think like his star pres- presence is really important isn't it and i think you have to let him go a little bit definitely
3: you know, he had to fight for that because for years people just saw him as pretty because yeah, he's right. so incredibly good looking that it's mm-hmm. hard not to notice that mm-hmm. it's he's blindingly good looking so you can't notice the other stuff mm. but he's extremely talented agreed And it was when he stopped playing pretty boys, that's when you realize, oh, man, this guy can act.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah. And
2: he it's and it's not just that he's so charming, too. That's the thing, too, is he's and that's again, that's why you notice Statham. You mentioned Statham Mm. on screen with him. Statham's also really charming as fuck. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's why they can hold their own together. But that's it with Brad is no matter what he's in, you know, he he outshines everybody. And Mm. I think seven. His mm-hmm. his big year was when he did Seven and Twelve Monkeys in the same year, mm-hmm. and like, and I
3: love first, both of those. Twelve Monkeys was
2: his better performance, right? I agree. With that's seven. my. I think that's his best. Mm-hmm. But what he was willing to do to himself is take a third third billing in that movie, he's mm-hmm. like, I just want to be in this movie, Terry Gilliam. I just want to be in a movie with you. You know, Madeline Stowe is billed above him. And he knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He, they're like, we're going to shave your head. He shaved his head. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're going to put the shit in your face. He's like, all right, whatever. And so I think I think that that says a lot of- I think what Jack is education. hearing is
3: Brad Pitt may be my next topic. It'd <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. be easy to do. I mean, he's he, he is so, uh, he is insane. Yeah, and that- the, the the scene from that, that uh, the Lost City movie, that trailer, mm. the commercial I saw. Oh, my God. He's like, right. Because you're like, oh, I'm going to watch it no matter what. Yeah. Sandra Bullock and Channing and watch Absolutely. that movie. And then yeah. you're like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Like,
2: They're just friends, right? He'll just show up, show up for a song. And and that's clearly what he did here. And mm. it is. Do you is that? I mean, do you think would the movie have worked? Would it be? Would it have been what it was without him?
0: Mm it probably wouldn't have made eighty so. million. no.
3: <laughs> I'm not saying he's responsible for the success, but I think he was a definite ingredient.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: He was a crucial ingredient in the success of it, and so were many of the other people.
2: Oh,
1: mm.
3: It's so good. Like Benicio del Toro just comes in and steals the beginning of it, you know? <laughs>
2: You're just, Dressed up oh. like a rabbi. That's <laughs> yeah. so amazing. You forget, too, every time. Because it's on the black and white screen like they go out of it so mm-hmm. well shot because he goes out of his way. Because, you, you know, that's him. At that point in time, he was famous enough. Mm-hmm, Everybody mm-hmm. would know who Benicio Del Toro was. Had he won his Oscar at this point?
3: I don't think he had won the Oscar. He had no, won but... yet.
2: OK. But he was a big enough star at this point where they're like hiding him in plain sight mm. in that opening scene. You're like, oh, and then when you see it's him, you're like, oh, that's so fucking amazing. That was so cool. So well done inside. You show him in only in black and white. It's amazing. What a performance. He was, he was definitely having a lot of fun.
0: Mm. I think um, at some point, I don't know who wants to take it, somebody can uh, have a go at trying to uh, explain the plot. Anybody oh, fancy? sorry. We haven't <laughs> done that. Oops. <laughs> sorry. But I, only, only because we, we have a really good chat, and then we cycle back around to the start, so this might be a good place to do it. And I think what's really, um, what I think is really interesting is the Guy Ritchie Tarantino comparisons. And they're kind of, they, they're not the same, but they are clear to be seen. And I do think between these first couple of movies, they're both playing in that crime gangster world, aren't they?
3: And with an see, ensemble
0: cast. Absolutely, yeah. And I think what I particularly like is more to do with the, their evolution and their growth. So like Lockstock is done on the cheap and done on the dirty and it feels a bit raw and it's Reservoir Dogs, uh, right. that movie was. Whereas this is a bigger budget. We've got some stars now. This is Pulp Fiction in terms of that natural progress.
3: And it boils down to good writing and great acting. Mm. Like, all this all this sharp dialogue delivered perfectly. Mm.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, and in both cases, having one star, say, I'll be in your movie. So mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel and Sting. Mm-hmm. Now, we are fucked. Harvey Keitel read the script and said, I want to do it. So that allowed them to get a million dollars, which is the time any of us, if we got a million dollars, we'd be like, fuck yeah. But a million dollars for a film studio, they're like, whatever. but. Sting was the same thing. Sting while he's sting, he's not like a big actor. He's fucking sting. So sting's like, I'm gonna be in your movie. So we get it. So I can the comparisons are very easy between the two of them. And my question then to you guys, especially to you, Jack, as a big Tarantino fan, has that done Guy Ritchie a service? Does it hurt him? The people, are there like people out there who are like, Lockstock is just a cheap man's reservoir dogs and and snatch is just a cheap man's pulp fiction and I, because blah, blah, blah. So did he? Did they, I mean, they both just were luck. It's all luck. It's who, you know, it's really, it's hard to get talent seeing who really gave them their career. In my opinion, they're both talented,
3: but who knows? And see, I don't think it's just luck. I think that they had to work to get within a network that would allow them access to these people. Mm. That's totally fair. They didn't just stumble upon them in a, in a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's luck. But if you develop relationships with people who will eventually introduce you to people of this, at this level, That's
0: hard work. That's not luck. That's totally fair. What do you think, Jack? Well, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I see your point, Tony. There is there is an element of like right place, right time. But I think to back Tony up, like Trudy styler actually was the one who discovered Guy Ritchie. She saw his short movie and she was really impressed by um his work. She sought him out, and this is for Lockstock, obviously. She then um read his script for Lockstock and said, it's something special about this, but it's you know, it needs some work. And that's how this all started. So obviously, that's how Sting got to know right. Guy Ritchie and Hasting ended up wanting to be in the movie. So yeah, there, there's kind of a, a mixture of those two those two answers and those two, two worlds, I think.
2: Right, true, because she's a film producer and writer and director in her own right. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Mm. That's amazing. Okay, cool. But I just see, because you were just saying there was that comparison. So it just was another layer of comparison mm. that you get a big star to be in your movie. I mean, Tim Roth became mm-hmm. a star. Like, we think back, like, oh, Tim Roth is in Reservoir Dogs. Michael Madsen was in Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi, they're, they're stars because of being in Reservoir Dogs. You think back
1: mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. were
2: stars showing up in there. Chris Penn was the only other one with Harvey Keitel who had much of a, an IMDb page, right? Mm. So in this,
0: it's... This. Yeah, it's true. It's a similar story here, isn't it? It's yeah. a similar story in terms of... You look at, um, yeah, Lockstock. And the, uh, the cast there, mostly unknowns, guys who went on to have big careers. You know, Dexter Fletcher is a writer, director now, and you look at Snatch, it is a big, big step up. I think what I like is that Guy Ritchie acknowledges it. I think he's happy to have those. I, I think after this film, the comparisons go away. I think it's only for these two films. And he's happy to to have them, as I guess most people would be. And I think what he does in terms of Tony's been talking like the writing, he, he even acknowledges it in this movie. So in that scene with Benicio Del Toro, when they're going to do the initial diamond heist, they're talking about the Virgin Mary, which can only be a reference to like a virgin from Reservoir Dogs, right? It, it absolutely. For is. sure,
3: yeah. And then we get the added trivia of, you know, we have the Madonna song playing later in the movie. And, absolutely. Hey, who does he marry later?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not much too later either, to be fair. Hopefully she um, gave him his money back for licensing the song. <laughs> and then she took it again after they split it. Yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, Like a loan, I'd have that back again. Yeah, yeah. All right, so somebody, I'll let you guys fight it out, needs to give us a very concise plot synopsis just in case there's somebody listening that is interesting what we have to say about a film they haven't watched and they're, at this point, completely confused. Fight it out amongst yourselves. One, two, three, not it. No. <laughs> Silence <laughs> speaks volumes. No, no. I'll
2: do it. I'll do it. Okay, so the 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 plot is actually pretty straightforward. Believe it or not. I mean for convoluted mm-hmm. as it is, as many characters, the plot is essentially there's an 86 carat diamond on the loose and everybody wants it mm-hmm. period that's the that's the MacGuffin. it might as well be called that's
3: better than what they have on imdb right <laughs> it is it,
2: yeah. it, it, it could just be called the macguffin diamond and that's it so the thing mm-hmm. is there's this diamond out there and turkish and tommy played uh turkish is the state is, the, is our is our mm-hmm. narrator um, is t- telling us this story. Um, of how he ended up where he ends up at the beginning of the movie. And we we don't know that until the end. And so it's essentially, this is about two days of time over the course of, like nobody sleeps for two straight days um, and everybody's after Hmm. this diamond, even though they don't know that they're after the diamond. There's lots of money, there's lots of gangsters, there's lots of uh, gambling and uh, fighting, literal fighting, like boxing promotion. But the the whole point is everybody's after the MacGuffin diamond and wackiness ensues. Mm -hmm. the comedy of errors is really what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: for some of them definitely.
0: How do you feel about the motivation in this film? It's something which I I, I found up watching this so close now to Lockstock and trying to be more critical and analytical of it. I feel like it's it, it's something for me that doesn't work quite as well here as it did in Lockstock. I feel like in Lockstock the characters are motivated by a need. I know at the start they get they want to win money by playing poker um so it ultimately is about you know accruing a, a better financial position there but i mean the rest of their need in that in the rest of the movie it's about a need right they have to get out from under um, the, the crime boss whereas this one if it was a bit more like everybody other than turkish and tommy are driven by greed what do you guys think some of them
3: aren't even driven by greed like Brad Pitt's character isn't driven by greed; he's trying to, you know, he's trying to provide for his mother. But it's not a need; it's just something he wants to do. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, you're asking me to do something. Take care of my mom. Mm-hmm. And then Bullet Tooth Tony—that's not greed either. It's just a job.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: He's just doing his job.
0: Man with the principles, isn't he? Right.
3: <laughs> the gentleman assassin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like because to me, it, it, it I because Freddie Four he's it's not greed for him. That's Benicio's character. He is motivated by his addiction, and you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of power involved here. And then, um, what's the the diamond broker's name? Um, oh, Doug the Hat. Dug, yeah, yeah. Or, or Avi. Well, Avi is. As, as his cousin right or his brother mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah 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 i
0: think it's his cousin yeah, so so, Doug, the Doug, Doug the head dug the head
2: yeah so dug yeah. the head is again that's what he does he's a fence you know he he brokers and diamonds that's also his work um you know I, there is definitely some greed involved but it's like the these are just dumb people all doing dumb things you know what i mean you're right turkish and tommy they're just trying to be boxing promoters and you know um Everybody else's you know, Bricktop is clearly motivated by greed. I mean, he's only a boxing promoter so he can get people to, to take dives so he can win money on the back end of the sports book. He's not actually trying to promote boxers. They're trying to do anything the right way. Um, so, so there is a lot of that, but, but they're all, I just think they're all very incredibly selfish. I think the motivation across the board isn't greed necessarily, it's selfishness. It's, it's mm-hmm. and you can see that. And then greed.
3: the dumb criminals, like the, the, tr- trio of idiots mm-hmm. they eventually their motivation is to stay alive <laughs> yes it's no longer about the greed it's uh we just don't want to die you know Well,
2: and their whole thing i mean to me they're the comedy like they're so funny those three guys and the thing about them is right you know at first they don't really even want anything to do with it they come like right they come to them the russian comes to them right and it's like do this thing and you're like, oh, shit, they didn't ask to be involved. But then once they're involved, now they're just terrified. So fear is a motivator for them, too. Like I said, they're just trying to stay alive. And they're so funny because that's, again, I bring this up to most things. I realize as I listen back to some of my shows, I'm like, my God, I talk about this movie all the time. But there's that whole, we're not even supposed to be here today, Dante thing from Clips with those three guys. Like, they didn't want anything to do with it <laughs> at all. But there they are. So might as well deal with it now.
3: My favorite bit of trivia about this is that all of their mistakes are taken from like true crime situations mm. where people screwed up. <laughs> they didn't even concoct these idioticies. They, they took real stupid people <laughs> and take their, their crimes and put them on screen. I had no
0: idea. That's amazing. I think they were my favorite on this watch show. I think that's they were my favorite segments. I was really drawn to them this time watching these three guys like calamitously make their way through situations they keep like as you say finding themselves in that they, they don't know how to resolve because they don't have the skill set that they're, they're not they're not made for this yeah that 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 bit really held up really well i was obviously i knew where it was going to go uh, but you're sort of hoping they're going to win out in the end oh you do root for them don't you that again is a skill you do yeah. that's such a skill.
3: root for them to not die <laughs>
2: yeah <sighs> They're so they're fantastic because they are genuinely friends too. I think what I like about this movie, and this is something that Tarantino doesn't do. I mean, if you're going to talk about comparison, Mm -hmm. but I think what Guy Ritchie does exceptionally well in his Sherlock Holmes movies is he like the way that Jude Law and Downey Jr. play Holmes and Watson as really good bestie besties.
3: There is that difference. His characters have friendships where you always are wondering who's going to stab whom in the back with a Tarantino film. Like you Mm -hmm. don't trust with the exception of Pulp Fiction, there's a real partnership there. But Mm Yeah. You you think that these people are all going to stab each other in the back at some point, where with Guy Ritchie films, there are true friendships.
2: Yeah. And I there's and I think it, it really comes to a head in the car scene when they're all in different cars and they're all bickering with each other inside the cars, but there's like real loyalty and an honor there. And that's what about the three, right. the three doofuses. They're so great because they're just, they're just pals and they're giving each other shit for just cause that's what they're, that's the kind of friendship that they have.
3: Mm-hmm. But, um, I, and their critiques are on point. They are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're totally honest with each other. Yeah.
3: They're all being stupid, but they're calling each other on how stupid they're being. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And I, think, and I think you believe it. You believe, and again, for your saying, Jack, like these are, I mean, yes, you got bigger names in this, but it's still like a lot of just dudes, dudes who are active. Mm. You know, they're all just showing up. And like you said, behind the scenes, they were all having way too much fun, which comes through. But like, you mm. believe Turkish and Tommy are friends. You believe there's a whole backstory to them and how gorgeous George becomes their boxer. Like you get it. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I know that story. I don't have to see it, but it's shorthanded there. And the three idiots, they're like, oh yeah, yeah. That all makes sense. Love them. Get their, get their story. Like you could have backstory comic books about these guys if you wanted to, but it's just there. And it's, and it's in the chemistry of whoever the casting director was, you know, did an excellent job putting the right people in the room together.
0: Mm. Agreed. Well, speaking of casting this time around, obviously Guy Ritchie and the state have bonded on Lockstock and he wrote Turkish for, the state, which I think is, you know, we've we've mentioned it briefly before. I think is a, is is fascinating in terms of his evolution and the amount of trust that he put into him to lead this movie. I know we're talking. There's a lot of um, characters, and there's probably fairly equal screen time to be fair. But he's the ostensible lead, isn't he? He narrates the movie.
3: Mm-hmm. He's the protagonist.
0: Yeah, I think. I guess we'd argue who he is, and I think. Richie's faith, I hope you guys agree. I mean you'll tell me in a second. I think his faith is rewarded in Jason's performance in both on screen and in narration, particularly because I know Tiny, you're not a massive fan of narration all the time. I am not,
2: but it has to be done right. Mm-hmm. And it, and it 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 is done right here because it is he's setting he's telling us a noir story. So I'm okay with narration in a story where it makes sense. And so I think, um, because there's so many moving parts, you need it. And I think, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think it does say a lot about Jason's acting ability and their, their friendship and relationship and, and, and how he's seen him grow. And I think, you know, you mentioned that, you know, he had, he did some work. He wasn't one of those guys. I mean, he, he was not an actor before, but he also, put in the effort he didn't just he wasn't just going to show up and be like i'm in Lockstock, and now i'm going to be in all your movies and i'm not going to take the acting classes and put the time in and study i mean look at these people who are around him too that he can ask
3: yeah he looks relaxed on screen he Mm. looks like he belongs
2: there yeah yeah so i think the voice you're right jack i don't love voiceover all the time i think sometimes it's super out of place and sometimes it's a cheat yeah But it wasn't here.
3: It was part of the storytelling.
2: That is exactly it, Tanya. That's exactly it. It's like so. times, and what always bugs me is when they'll use it at the beginning and then again at the end of the movie, but then you don't continue on with the conceit. You're like, no, no, have a narrator or don't have a narrator. Like, the reason I love The Wonder Years is because the original and the remake, the narrator is a character. He's there commenting like he's watching the documentary of his life and he's commenting on everything. He's always a constant presence there. So it works.
3: So you don't hate it. You just usually don't love it because it's not typically done it's well. Not, it's mm. rarely done well. That is exactly. That's and I, I can definitely get on board with that. Yeah. And
2: it's done perfectly here. But you're saying he wrote it in, right, Jack? He wrote that. He wrote a narration as opposed to them adding it after like in Blade Runner where they're trying to explain things to a dumbass. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that's it right there. And it's, they use it for character development, just explaining the name. We don't need to know that for this story at all, but it's still interesting, and it just speaks to the type of character he is.
0: There's a there's a dryness to the delivery, I think, which we don't, haven't really seen from Jason Satham since. Uh, a few of the things I read online, you know, the people that want to praise his performance are about how he's quite dry, and you know, he's a straight man, but he has his, he has a sense of humor about his character here too, and I think that comes through in the narration as well.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think. What I like about this too, and re- if you're talking about the evolution of him as a character, as, mm-hmm. a, as a character actor too, is that in these first two movies, he's not, he's the lead definitely of this movie, but he's not a tough guy yet. You know, I no. think, I think the, no. I think he's, the reason that his dry acting works so well here is because that is a, def- that is one of Turkish's defense. Turkish works mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. boxing, he's around tough guys all the time. Tommy's carrying a gun. George is this big brute. He's the uh, the brains, air quote, of the organization. That's not saying much. But, you know, he also, he's not a fighter. You know, he's a thinker, not a fighter. So I think his dry performance is indicative of the character he's playing, which is a smart guy, as, as, as opposed to, like...
3: And he's still impressive because he's not panicking. He's not, mm-hmm. you know, he's not peeing himself in situations where he's about to die. yeah. He's very aware of the danger, but he also we also don't think, eh, and he's going to jump up and clock somebody because mm. he's not the tough guy here, but he does have balls of steel in some of these moments.
0: I think the moment when he goes into his, I don't know what you call it, like his arcade, I would call it an arcade, you know, when he's got all the, the, the gambling mm-hmm. machines, when the guys right. are smashing up is a really key moment for what you guys are talking about here, where yeah. he's keeping his cool, he's getting his bat out, he's trying to think about, saving his business
3: he's going to go down fighting
0: he's going to go, yeah absolutely and then the bat gets taken out of his hands from off camera which is a really cool moment and ordinarily the transporter jason statham the expendable jason statham suddenly starts kicking ass and taking names and flying right. kicks and becomes the
3: action star <laughs>
0: absolutely yeah but here the next time we see him he's pinned to the floor and he's clearly you know been knocked down quite easily
3: and then he's saved by the pretty boy,
2: right? And I love that scene. I think that is done so mm-hmm. well because it's it's it says a lot. Like you said, he is cool. There's that whole thing when Tommy's like, "Why are you so fucking calm?" And he's like, "Oh, we're going to die no matter what." Like he's so this that scene that scene in the in the arcade is the pra- You know, it it it's its partner to that other scene in the caravan where they're like, "Well, you know, this is he he knows who he is." That's the thing you, you talked about, Tommy, about how comfortable he is. This is where. The state shows how calm Turkish is, who Turkish knows who he is. And that is the performance Statham's giving. I mean, there's only really so much writing, Guy Ritchie can do with directing. Statham has to show us he's this guy, Where the guy who's playing town, and he's all keyed up and, you know, all the time. And so it's like, well, that's the performance he's giving. So we know everything about him.
3: Yeah, and it's such an honor to have someone write you into their script, like write a part mm. for you. Yeah. And he showed up,
2: he delivered. He did. He did, and he did not let him down. And I think you get why then, uh, you know, he gets a career, you know.
3: You know how you watch these movies and you're just like, why is this person in this film? Mm-hmm. You just don't get it? That, there was, that was not the thing for him. Like, you knew. It was mm-hmm. centered around him. He belonged in this world. The character was authentic. Or at least he felt authentic.
0: Mm-hmm. Agree.
3: He belonged there.
0: And the other person this could have been, of course, and we've mentioned him before, is Vinnie Jones. Like, you know, I don't know how well you know him, Tonya, but he was a famous footballer here for for Wimbledon. Um, Yeah, I think he's adorable. Crew called the Crazy Gang um, for their antics on and off the pitch. Um, Very famous for a, a photograph, if you've seen it, of him grabbing another player's genitals um I was trying to think of the right way to put that and that's I'm going to go with
3: did not know that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's like one of his most famous moments and actually one of the I don't know if you read the trivia for this one of the behind the scenes stuff when this was that he couldn't turn up to filming one day because he'd been arrested the night before having got into a yeah. pub fight so this <laughs> is who Vinnie that. Jones is
3: <laughs> was. was was
0: fair okay good point yeah was is at the time was yeah but he totally turns up as well and he's not phoning it in and you see him in the behind the scenes stuff as well he's taken it really seriously it's like this is a new path for me guy's showing faith in me um i need him to guide me through this i'm still learning and i think that we spoke about the fun vibe on set that clearly was there but also everybody wanted to do the best job they could do as well i
3: think that he is also very charming on screen Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know about him as a person but there's just something about him on screen you want to watch. I was sad when his scenes ended. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. this guy is fun to watch. I like the way he talks. I just want to hang out. You know, I just want to be with this guy for a while. Just watch what he does. I extra points if he's picking someone's ass while he's yeah. <laughs> while he's clipping, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> the scene where he had the gun at him, it was like, yep, this. I paid to see this right here and didn't even know it.
0: (laughs) All right. Yes. When it's like your gun says replica. Is that saying? Yeah. My gun says Desert Eagle 5.0. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Right. He just delivered that so well. It's like this guy isn't even an actor. Mm. I mean, he is now. But at the time, I think he was pretty new, wasn't
0: he? This is his second performance. Yeah, absolutely. Same as Jason Statham. Yeah, they both did the two Guy Ritchie films. And you can see. And again, you
2: see it, though, because they, what they both bring, it's interesting to see the trajectory of their careers too. And it's because Statham was mm-hmm. also a professional athlete, but he was a diver. He wasn't as famous mm-hmm. as Vinny Jones was before he started acting, you know? And it, so it's like, but they, but they took, they both use their, their grace.
3: But you're thought of less. If you, if you're an, an athlete first and then you start acting, people assume you cannot act where that's different from being an unknown where you'll give this person a shot. No, that's true. You're right. Yeah, because they did. They, but what they
2: both show is that I think they're, I mean, you don't become a, a professional athlete if you're not a hard worker, if you don't put in the effort. But you're right. Mm-hmm. There's that perception of, oh, you're a
3: meathead. Well, that is 100% not
2: true. And I mean, right. you know, so I, I, and the
3: juggernaut does not do anything to help with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he did exactly what he was asked to do. I love him as the juggernaut. <laughs> I mean, people give him grief for that.
3: I'm not saying he didn't. Yeah. That, that, those bad choices were not his. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he is the juggernaut bitch. That's all I'm saying. Yes, <laughs> I understand. He, but again, I think he. I think even in that film, I mean, it's easy to make fun of him because that film isn't very good. But it isn't terrible, and it's not his fault that the movie's not any good. You know, he showed up, he's like, oh, I'm going to be the juggernaut. I mean, how,
3: what a cool thing. I was excited it was him, and then, oh, why he's not even a... Like, it's not even a mutant. What are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's, I, I
2: just think I'm just so impressed. And I think what Tanya just said about both of that, you know, about Vinny, it translates into statement. You just see them working. You see them saying, mm. this isn't a joke yeah. for me. And you can tell those people who, you know, they get like Ezra Miller. Let's talk about a guy who's got immense talent and it's fucking nickel brain. That guy can knock it out of his own way. And it's like, mm. dude, you're charming
3: and that easily could have been the case for these guys exactly but no they showed up they did their job they took it seriously yeah because they didn't want to
2: be a joke like you said they had to work extra hard because people were like oh athletes what do they know they can't act in a blah 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 whatever but they both have had careers out of it and statham obviously more successful than Vinny as an actor but mm-hmm. but it's i mean here you are he's got his own podcast i don't know if you know how famous jason statham is He's got a show about him. We're on that show right now. Very meta. (laughs) That's how famous he is. But it's like, but again, it's the work. You know, he, he, they chose to knock it out of the way. And it it just, I think, and again, Tanya, you're an actor, you know, Jack and I write, you write. We're all want to be in the arts. We want to, we know that that's hard work. We know that doing something artistic takes a skill. And you can just back into it and be...
3: And it takes discipline. Which
2: shows up. In a movie like this, it's a hot mess of a... In the wrong hands, the wrong actors, this movie would flop Mm. and everybody's career is over except for Dennis Farina and Benicio Del Toro. Everybody else's careers are over, right? Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't...
3: Although some of that is Guy Ritchie. Right. He kept a tight ship. He made sure that they stayed on course. But Mm. it helped that you have all these people on hand who were doing their part. Yeah. Mm. And it worked. I mean, I think, and I'm assuming that's part
2: of this this series for you, Jack. Is I mean, my question to you is how much does mm. Richie deserve the credit for Statham's career? Because his first two movies, he's not, mm. he's not the action star that he becomes. He doesn't get the opportunity to go on and be the action star and be in the Jet Li movies and do this other stuff if these movies don't happen. So is it that? I mean... I don't
3: know. That's like saying Kenneth Branagh is... To he's responsible for the success of Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. He gave them a shot. Mm. They, they're they the ones who had to do something with it.
0: Mm. I think Richie put him in the position where he, and then he has, you know, he's given him that step forward, hasn't he? Right. I definitely think like he's He opened he's the door, but only it. you can uh, yeah. walk
3: through it, you know?
0: Because he could have just, stayed, if he was going to be the guy, Richie, Jason something, he wouldn't be the guy which we're going to go on and talk about, which is... The action star. And that was all him, right? That was him saying, I right. want to do this kind of movie. I have I this. I to take set. my
3: career in this direction. I'm
0: a martial artist. You, do, you guys don't know this about me. And like, and that's what he's become. Yeah. So I know what you're saying, Tony. I think, and I think Jason statham him and Guy Rich are still good friends now. They're still making films together now. You know, his first two films were working with Guy Ritchie. His latest two films with a new one that's coming out is working with Guy Ritchie. So clearly they're still close. Um, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to say, I owe this guy given me a chance
3: yeah a chance but it doesn't make your career
0: Mm.
2: that's fair
3: definitely a leg up though yeah I mean it's just and they all came through I mean again
2: it's his first two it's Guy's first two movies it's Statham's first two movies it's Vinny's first two movies I mean so you're right they're all coming through it together but I just think it's 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 Mm -hmm. a testament to like you said it's Statham's choice to be like I'm going to be the action star because I mm-hmm. can be, because I have the physicality, because again, I was a fucking mm-hmm. Olympic, Olympic level diver. I can control my body. So of course, martial arts makes perfect sense. Um, you know what? I'm glad he's made that move, but I would also be okay with if he had followed, you know, a different career where he is just a charming, charismatic, you know, character actor who mm-hmm. would, you know, I'd be okay with that too. Cause I think I can, and he still shows up and does those occasionally where he's not, just, just a beefcake cake guy. You know, sometimes he shows up and still mm. like just a reminder. Because even Wrath of Man, which is amazing and is uber violent, it's not the transporter. No, it's not crank. You know, it's, no. <laughs> it's <laughs> nothing is. But it's like, you know, it's it's a and again he's back with Guy there, and it's that subtle, reserved acting performance. But he's still gonna, you know, it just gets to be a little more violent. He gets to be a badass. Where in this in, in Snatch, he's not. But I, I, I love it. I mm. love seeing, I mean, this is such a great idea for the show because again, we, we know, and like you said, at the top, Tanya, you're not, you're aware of him. You've not seen all 42 of Statham's films, but you've seen probably 10, you know, enough to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm really impressed this, this, cause you know, like you said, we're looking at this now with a critical eye. We're, we're no, we're not just talking about Snatch. We're talking about
3: He's at
2: the point where he's a bonus if he's in a film, but he's not the reason that I see it. Sure. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Sure, sure. But what I loved going back and looking at this,
2: thinking about what I know about him. I've seen way more of his movies than you have, Tanya, obviously, um, because <laughs> I will seek out a movie if I see him in it. I'm like, if he's the lead, like Wild Cards, mm-hmm. I'm like, that didn't even get released in the theater. Like, hey, there's a Statham movie. I'm going to watch that. And so he's a draw for me. So, But to look back critically and to think, who that guy has become and who he was here. It's mm-hmm. so impressive. I'm I'm really, really impressed with this early performance. I just can't get over it, especially mm. him being surrounded by these big, over-the-top performances that all these other big... Yeah, I didn't
3: know it was only his second performance. That mm. It's even more impressive. Yeah.
0: I think what you guys, you've both spoken about earlier, and obviously, Tonya, for, for you from a, that person perspective, you, you are coming from a very different place for Tonya and I, but I think him holding his own in scenes of Brad Pitt, him holding his own in scenes with Alan Ford as Bricktop, who, mm-hmm. you know, between him and Brad Pitt, basically still with the film. I think, as you said, like, Tonya, to be able to still notice Jason Statham in those scenes and to see his process and, you know, be able to see what he's doing in order to stay present and for his character still be important, I think really shows his growth because Dan and I noted how, like, he had charisma in Lockstock and you noticed him, but he was mm-hmm. generally, he was there. He didn't, he wasn't yeah. present in the scene. Other than Dan made a really insightful comment about how like in the last scene of Lockstock and it may have been a reshoot, it suddenly he had a bit more of the state about him. And he, Dan said this really nice thing about how like he was Jason's statement in Lockstock. And then you suddenly saw the state starting to come the out.
3: <laughs> um
0: and I think we're seeing that growth here. Like, massively. confidence, yeah, it's
3: probably the confidence built from doing this successfully.
0: Yes. Agreed. You guys, sorry. Do you guys feel like you've got, um, is there a scene? I mean, we've mentioned a few, but is there a particular scene that stands out for you where we can see the start of this, this, you know, we can see this confidence coming through We can see the start of this evolution for him.
3: I liked the scene where he went to check his safe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where he was going there. And then it's like, Oh, I am not alone and I have to just play it cool and mm. you know, the whole cup of tea thing. And <laughs> I, I thought that was the uber cool moment of this movie for him
1: mm-hmm.
3: because he should have been peeing himself.
1: Mm.
3: He was in a lot of trouble, but he didn't act like a a little wimp. He he didn't start lying and scrambling. Mm-hmm. Like it, I know that's part of the character, but he, he was believable. Mm is believable as even though you don't have any of the power in this situation you're just gonna stand there and talk to him like he's just a person
0: he's going to own his personal space of power right. which is like if he's going to be killed like die of dignity or die like still being the man right yeah there isn't
3: anything i can do to change the situation I'm mm. in, so i'm just going to stand here and have the conversation there's mm. no need to panic it won't change a damn thing
0: I love the moment in that scene. I think it's a great pick. I love the moment in, the, in that scene where like right towards the end and Bricktop's done his talking and then he um, moves the picture and reveals the safe. And he's like, so now mm-hmm. you're going to pay me back. And there's a look that comes across Jason Safen's face, Tekash's face where he's just like, oh, I thought, I thought I was going to yeah, get away it with tried.
3: it. <laughs> it's brilliant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about few you, Tony? And it didn't
3: need, it didn't
2: need words to convince. No. Yeah. It's the cards. It's the card scene. Um, because mm-hmm. George can't talk at that scene and so Tommy mm-hmm. Tommy who buys the gun to give himself the confidence <laughs> right and so that <laughs> whole, <Z>. yeah. <laughs> <It's> so yeah <fun. laughs> Tommy's such a great character I mean, that is such a great performance too but like so the card scene when they're sitting there and he's just explaining and again it, it ties into what to saying about how cool he is he's like look it's either going to be this and this and this or we're going to be that or this will this and this happen. Or we be dead. We won't. And so he's like, he, right. he knows there's he's either going to be alive the next day or he is not going to be alive. And it's mm. he there isn't a I'm gonna be on the run. He's not a fool. He knows he can't get away from Bricktop. There's nothing he can do. So he's either Right, we're not
3: gonna beat him.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. And they, they don't. That's the best thing, is they don't beat. They don't do it. Like everything is half ass. They and so everything he says in that card game comes to fruition. We're either gonna be alive or we don't. And it's there's nothing we can do about it. And so I love that that's a little you know prescient, and it's a little you know here's a here's a clue for what's going to come later in the film. And I didn't really you know you're just thinking about it more critically as you're like I said watching it for this. Um, that I was like oh that's so tight that's so smart because it tells you exactly how the movie they're in end. these
3: these terrible situations, and you can at their core he and Tommy are still good people because mm-hmm. when Mickey clocks the guy. A, the end of that fight which we were all hoping would happen even though we know it should, really should not happen what they do they try to save him yeah mm. they grab him they didn't just run out like oh he screwed us over and we're out no they took him and they tried to save him on their way out
0: mm. that's a lovely point and that's why they're the ones who come out on top i suppose by the end of right. the Because they've done it. <laughs> it. it. they've got that moral center which was another thing dan and i spoke about with lock was that the characters with the best morals are the ones who
1: mm-hmm.
0: they don't win because they've they've still had to go through what they've gone through. And then you know, Lockstock is a little bit more unclear about what's going to happen for these characters in the future. But I think, yeah, that the morals are important to the center of They were both, both never their considering
3: stories. slicing open the dog. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, they cared about the mom dying. They they didn't directly hurt any of these mm-hmm. characters or mm-hmm. try to hurt any of them. They were trying to keep everyone alive Mm. even when it went against their own benefit Mm. because they really should have just been like we're out you screwed us over see you mickey i mean twice (laughs) to be fair yeah right yeah but no (laughs) they had him between them because he was all messed up from the fight Mm -hmm. and they didn't need to say it that was the smart writing that they did not need to say and we're saving him because we're good people no they just showed it and it was Mm. a beautiful moment and then he's like yeah i'm fine see you guys
2: it's so good. And and you see the moment when Mickey knows they're going to do that for him. Like Mickey knows he can take the beating. And then ultimately he knows mm-hmm. Mickey's trying to do them a favor. But he also knows when they show up at, at the out at the place and uh, he's like, oh, and Turkish says, Mickey, I'm really sorry about your mom. And he's like, well, you didn't do it. Like you got nothing mm-hmm. to be sorry. I'm sorry, about, But he's like, but he's but and Turkish doesn't like argue with him. He's just like he wants he's truly empathizing. He knows how much he loves his mom. And so there's that moment right. there where that's when Mickey knows what kind of person Turkish is. He doesn't have to drive out there and just say give his condolences. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Look, man, right. if you don't want to fight, we're gonna die. It doesn't matter. Whatever whatever happens, happens. I, if you wanna help He did
3: that- have to drive out there because he still needed to ask him to fight.
2: Right, but he also knew that Mickey could say no and that would be okay. Because at that point he had yeah. come to that. Right, he had to try. But he also wasn't there to pressure him. He wasn't going to threaten him. He felt like a jerk even asking. Yeah, right. Mm. Exactly. It was like, well, this is our only way to get, you know, to, for us all to get out of it. And of course, the best part is, is that the, the uh, Pikes, as they call them, are the smartest people. And they're the ones who outsmart everybody. <laughs> and it's <laughs> such a great turn because you don't And then, oof, yeah. vanish. <laughs> yeah, and then vanish. And I think that's really tight, too, is that you don't know that the first scene and the last scene are the same. So that's why all those scenes, the scenes where Tanya's talking about where he's going to get the thing from the safe and when he's having, you know, playing the cards, we don't know that they've lived, you know, so we see that mm-hmm. resident, they keep setting us up where he's like, any minute I could die, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to be cool about it. If I, if I die today, I'm going to be cool about it. If I, you know, so the fact that they get to live at the end is like, it's just a pleasant surprise for us as the viewer
0: yeah he actually told us that from the very start we just didn't know it yeah. right exactly there
3: was only one moment this entire film that felt like is that really what would happen mm. and that was when you know they talk about the doctor saying oh we found this in your dog would the doctor really i
0: like, like your cynical mind really you? Tanya.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 what a good veterinarian you know yeah right <laughs>
2: because there's no way he sees those two guys and thinks you guys misplaced an 86 carat diamond
0: yeah right I don't know the the jackets are pretty sharp I think you know I think that like all of what I love what all you guys said I think for me the biggest evolution that I can see in him between the first film and this is his reaction to other actors I think in this film you can see and actually most of the time it's by not doing anything actually when Bricktop's like aggressively talking at him, mm-hmm. or when, um, you know that that scene you were just talking about, Tony, when Mickey's like, "You've got nothing to be sorry for." You, I think, an actor could choose to try to do too much in those moments, and what he does is very little with almost nothing, because that's, as you said, Tony, it's within his character to be that way, to be cool, calm, collected, to be thinking about things right. and processing it. And
3: that said, stillness is difficult to master. I was just about to say, I'm not an actor, but I imagine. That could be directing too, but sure, the fact get, that he took the direction. Yeah. I didn't see anything in the trivia that suggested, man, he really had a hard time not overreacting to everything that was said to him.
0: Yeah. Which is one of the things which was the opposite of Vinnie Jones, which was like, please keep telling me what to do. Please keep telling me what to do. And I imagine with the relationship Guy Rich and Jason Saitman have got, he was the same. Yeah agreed it's so good she's an interesting sorry no
2: I was just gonna say it's just so good like it's just such a great
0: Mm.
2: I mean even if this isn't your kind of movie and I can see why a lot of people would hate this movie um for all I don't know
0: this movie's a
3: piece of art it is
2: (laughs) is.
1: I
3: say that as a feminist where this does not pass the Bechdel test (laughs) (laughs) not even close but it it's still a great movie
0: yeah
2: I I didn't mean to cut you off there Jack sorry
0: No, not at all. I was just going to talk, like, I think, you know, we were segueing quite nicely into talking about Guy Ritchie as well, because, Tony, you were saying, like, no, but you keep coming back to it, and I'm I'm pleased you do about, like, a lot of this is in the direction. It's in the writing that he did in the script, which is his, and then it's in the direction. And I think he's a really interesting character. When you hear him talk about this movie, he, he almost describes it as, like, lock stock leftovers. Like I, I had some scenes and some characters left over that I couldn't fit into lock stock. So I thought, Oh, I'll just put them into a new movie. And it only took me three months to write. And part of that could, it could come off as, you know, kind of an arrogance of like, oh, this is easy for me, but it doesn't. It, when you hear him talk about it, it almost comes off as like a, he's talking about himself. He's kind of self depreciating, I suppose, to an extent. So like he's well,
2: it's like, he's, he's acknowledging that I mean, he's not saying it was easy. He's saying the reason it took three months. Like, I mean, I'm assuming he spent his whole life writing lock stocks, you know? And it's like, this this is clearly in the same universe, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. as that. And I I appreciate that. I mean, using the same actors, I mean, you know, and again, the comparison with Tarantino, that they're all in the same universe, right? Like, you know, they, you know, Mm -hmm. that they talk in, was in Reservoir Dogs, they talk about Alabama from True Romance. Like she comes up, Mr. You know Harvey Cattell's character mentions Alabama, So you' like it's a shared universe, even though even the same actors are in the different movies playing different people. So you can believe that where Lockstock is happening across town, this is happening. Mm-hmm. So I can see why Yeah, I love that aspect: Yeah, I, I mean, mm. I've never thought of him as, as cocky. I've never thought of I've always thought of Guy Ritchie as, as yeah, neither of a mine. guy who wants mm. people want to hate him because, mm. because he's, he's got a punchable face. But like, you know what I mean? I don't mean that literally, <laughs> but like, he's just that kind of guy. You're like, oh, that guy, another one of those guys, but he's talented. It's clear. Look what he mm. does with this cat. Look at the people who want to work with him. I mean, if you know, the people who mm-hmm. discovered him are like, he's got something there. So it's not, you know, I didn't bother to see Aladdin nor will I ever. So I can't promise. And I know not every movie of his is a hit, but I think he's never been accused of, of not trying something not not going for mm. i've never seen him phone something like and all the movies of his i've seen which are not all of them admittedly but i've never seen even his bad movies he didn't phone it in he's like well i see what you were trying to do mm. there you know and so while you can say this is a bloody movie about you know violence swearing and all this other stuff but like time sits work hard it's a story about friendships ultimately he he this is a story about like having like there's a there's a lesson in all of his all of his pictures I find, there's always a heart, the ones I've seen, there's a heart there. Even the one that you hate, Jack, even his King Arthur, isn't, there's still, that's, listen, but at the heart of it, and I know he didn't <laughs> write that one, but at the heart of it, he's still trying to tell, Oof. like, a character-driven story. It, and while the plot, that's why you said at the beginning, what's the plot? Well, it's hard to tell us what the plot mm-hmm. is, because it's not about that.
3: This is definitely a character-driven story. Yeah, and I love yeah. that. I want that. Like the plot is a- irrelevant. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's a diamond and, you know, a bunch of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. However, this guy and this guy and this guy and this trio and these fools and, you know. <laughs> and then the music. And then the me. music is also a huge part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, Tony. Because I know that was one of the key reasons why you wanted to come on to talk about the movie. There
3: are just songs from that that have stuck with me since the first time I watched it mm. things that are on my playlist you know mm-hmm. it's like that it's not the first song but it's the second song Diamond. I always th- I always thought it was the first song mm-hmm. to me it was the first song but the song Diamond by Glint it is just so good and it, it just sets the tone for the movie but then you have all these other moments like when the caravan is burning
0: mm. there's
3: a very serious That's massive attack there. isn't it yeah yeah it is and oh it was so good it's like the, the musical choices were spot on with this
0: mm.
3: nothing felt like a throwaway choice
1: mm-hmm.
3: it wasn't like oh a mo- a song like this no it had to be this song they all felt like the song it had to be for this and i think that that's a huge part of storytelling mm. and sometimes you can't get the song you need i'm glad that they did for this one
0: and i think it's another era where he came into those comparisons with tarantino as well for his you know, eclectic soundtracks when they were that released. here. Point. I don't know about in the States when they released here, they were released with like snippets of dialogue from the movie as well, which all mm-hmm. the Tarantino soundtracks were back in the day too. So that's definitely you no. Know, and were you discovering these songs because of the film?
3: I can't think of any that I knew ahead of this film.
0: Mm. I love I'm pretty that. Pretty sure
3: they were all because of the film. Mm. And so it's not like, oh, I recognize that song. Mm. It's like, oh, this is good. I can't wait to look up Mm. the track list when I'm done with this movie. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. Oh, I love this. Like There are so many good songs. Some just, oh, you know what? I knew Lucky Star.
1: Of course, (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
3: I knew the Madonna song. (laughs) That one I didn't have to look up. But the rest of them were just so good. And it's not like it's all one kind of music. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just music you would expect to find in this kind of area in England, yeah. you know, It's like all over the place, but it was suitable. And
1: mm-hmm.
3: I don't think he was responsible for that. I'm sure he had some. I didn't I didn't look up who did the soundtrack, but when you have a great team, mm. it it makes magic. The whole thing makes magic. I agree. It's funny as I'm
2: watching uh, Lee and I are watching the Alex Ryder TV series. Finally, we're getting around to that. We'd read the books, whatever. And the soundtrack in that actually, the sound mixing is terrible, by the way. Which it's funny. It's fun to watch a movie like the back, you know, pre when everything was pre digital, everything. So it's like, oh, we mix the sound in better. So like, there's a lot of sound in this that doesn't blow your ears out. Like all of a sudden, it's not going up 700 octaves or decibels to like play yeah. the song. But that's the problem with that, Alex. But it's I really like the music choices that they're using, but it's also like what's cool at the time we've made this show. Mm -hmm. What is something this 16 year old kid would listen to? Let's get that song Mm -hmm. as opposed to let's find the right mood song for that. And I think, so it, Mm -hmm. so it is the difference being like, and again, the soundtrack for that show is really good, but it's also going to be a time capsule. Like in 20 years, people are going to go like, Oh, what was the soundtrack for Alex Rider season one? Oh, that checks out. That's exactly what would people were supposed to Mm -hmm. in 2019 Mm -hmm. where this, the right choice of music can um, make it a time. And again, this is, you know, there are cell phones or whatever, but it's pre smartphone and, and a good soundtrack can, can wipe some of the technology out because you're like the, the music sets it in a, in a place and time on its own. Like you said, Tanya, was it being an eclectic soundtrack? Well, when the fuck is this? Who are these people? And it says a lot about. Right. Mm -hmm. And where, right. Because it's
3: not all, I don't think it's all English music.
2: No. Yeah. Well, Madonna's not, although she does speak with a British accent now.
3: Well, obviously that one, but no, I think there were, there are definitely others
2: that
3: felt very American. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah. I think it's really good. I think it's a smart choice to, uh, to do, you know, I think directors, I know that, like you said, Tanya, the director doesn't choose all the music, but they can decide if there's something they're specifically looking for, I remember Ben Stiller talking about in the, um, right. They can veto for sure. You know, Mm -hmm. in reality bites, they wanted He wrote it. He got the permission from Frampton to do baby. I love your way in the movie. And then the film producers were like, we want to do this remake, this reggae version. He's like, nah. And they're like, yeah, we're going to use it. And he's like, I don't want to use it. And they argued. And so the deal was he got to use the original in the movie, but then they put the remake on the soundtrack. That was his concession. He's like, fine. I don't care. I'm not sticking that garbage into my movie. But it was like a big fight. It was a big fight. He's like, I got Peter Frampton to say, yes, I get to use the song. He wrote a whole scene for that song in Reality Bites because it was so important to like. You can't
3: use the wrong version of the song. Right. It doesn't work
2: because you're learning about the character. Right. And he's like, it's a shorthand for us to understand who he used to be as opposed to this yuppie guy that he is now. It was important. They're like, no, no, let's use this reggae guy. He's like, but he's not that guy. Like, that's who he becomes.
3: But that's not who he was. And it can be very distracting when you have a cover of a song playing because now you're like, this is familiar, but I don't know why. And you're Mm. thinking about that instead of what's happening on screen. Yeah,
2: that's a great point too.
3: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I'm very particular about covers. I don't usually love them.
0: Because you're attached to the original.
3: I, I have this restaurant and I love the restaurant food, but their constant music is I think they have a station of bad covers.
1: <laughs>
3: it's not just covers. They are ridiculously bad covers. And I cannot understand why anyone would choose to play this. It's just so bad. It's, it's criminally bad, okay? Well, that's,
2: that's too bad. Because I do like a good cover. I, I love Postmodern Jukebox, I think, is the world's greatest cover band. And they do some amazing stuff. But, of course, they're not doing straight covers. So that's the point of them is they're taking them and we didn't mean to turn this into the cover band show Jack. yeah sorry.
3: but don't you have a story that you have not yet shared oh with?
2: yes i do we need to get there sure yes as we're running slowly out of time sorry about that so, and my technical come on tony stuff.
0: farina tell us your yes. story
3: <laughs> well it's, okay
2: so yes the thing about snap and again i didn't realize this until this current watch is that uh, there's also somebody whose last name is beckwith who plays errol which is my wife's last name is beckwith so again Bizarro Superman but so Dennis Farina and I are well, he's no longer with us in the world But so I never met him. My father knew him like in passing not like they were friends But so I did I had an aunt who a great aunt who's really probably like a cousin But you know how it is like in families when there's like an old lady who's in charge of your life She's an aunt, right? That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. You don't think of her what she really is. Um, she was probably a cousin. But anyway, so we knew we were really, really close with her, and her name was Frances Washbush, but she actually went by Toots because that's what old Italian ladies are called Toots. So she was from Chicago, and she actually was Dennis's babysitter uh, when she, so she would always see him on things when he became an actor. And she would be like, Oh, I remember when Denny was blah, blah, blah. And she would always talk about little Denny this, little Denny that. And he, he actually became an actor accidentally uh, because He was a police officer in the city of Chicago and um, he started doing security. They would hire police officers to do security on film sets. And so Michael Mann hired him to do security on a film set. And then that's how it worked. So Michael Mann discovered him because he was just, he's like, hey, you wanna be, you wanna do something? And then he gave him his own show crime Mm. story and everything. So that is my closest distant blood relative who's also an actor dentistry. So we are slightly related So that is my remote claim to fame that I never knew the man, but my dad did meet him. And somebody I know very well said he was just such a silly little boy. and He used to go by Denny, which is funny because then he's like Dennis Farina. You know, he's like that guy, like in fucking Midnight Run, he's this guy, you know, like the guy he is here and the guy (laughs) who's Midnight Run is the same guy, you know. And uh, so it's just always funny to think that uh, you know, he was an accidental actor too. He but you could actually see if you ever wanted to do a back to filmography of him, you can definitely see him, even though he always kind of plays the same guy, you can see him getting so much better mm. from like, Where would you like me to look? Mm. Don't look at the camera, Dennis. You know, to like in this, you can tell how much <laughs> you can tell how much fun he's having in this movie. Like and he's having a blast. So that is my, and then again, I didn't yeah. realize until I was looking at the class, cast list that, yes, that the guy who plays Arrow's last name that's Beckwith, which is my wife's name. So apparently, I'll have to ask her, I'm sure she, she's like, who now? Uh, Beckwith is a pretty common name. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that is my story. That is why I was excited that when you were like, oh, I mean, in addition to just loving the film. So that was probably why mm. I thought, you know, like we would seek out his film, you know. So mm. I am sure he was the reason I saw this in the first place. It was like, oh, Dennis, is mm-hmm. in this. he's playing himself. He's playing the mob guy. You know, he either played a cop or he played <laughs> a mob guy. Um, So it's funny. Those were his two his two extremes. Uh, so that is, my, that is my almost famous story. But, uh, you know, you, Tanya, said you almost met Statham. So, like, yours is better.
3: Uh, I don't know. You are related, and I <laughs> chose not to for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> all the right reasons. <laughs> no right. Yeah, all the right reasons. Maybe the right yeah, reasons. Yeah. I don't know. I just did not want to be part of the... The entourage yeah totally fair I wanted my boss to respect me and if I went to that thing I would be with a group of girls I didn't respect so yeah that's totally fair I, I do believe I made the right call yeah
2: I agree you did so yes yeah, that is my Dennis Farina is is sort of related to me story um you know that boss
3: is sort of the reason I'm an actor <laughs> see it all works out <laughs> Oddly enough, too bad I didn't come to that conclusion when he was still, you know, meeting these people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it could have been you in The Expendables, not Chris McCarpenter. See? Was that so terrible, though? No, I think you dodged a bullet there. Ah! Um, <laughs> all right, we've got a couple of things, if we can, to wrap up before I let you go, Tanya. Is that sure. all right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I want to play a little game with you both. How many times do you think the word fuck is said in this film?
3: Ooh. Ooh. That is interesting because I like to do a Monday movie quote. Mm-hmm. And I went and searched for which one I was going to use. And I don't like to cuss on my Twitter. And it was like, there goes that one. And, you know, I don't think about it because I'm not, I don't have a problem with cussing. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that, stuck in my head as being a bunch of cuss words but when I went to go copy and paste it it's like "Mm, that's not really who I am Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I would say hundreds like probably 300 times okay interesting
0: I would in a 90-ish minute movie so you're looking at what three a three a minute I'm not I'm not good at math there were
3: a lot (laughs) Yeah. you know yeah (laughs) fair enough my, Tony? I, seven, but math is hard, Jack. Don't make yeah. me do math. <laughs> <It's hard. laughs>
0: no, I, yeah, I, I am not here criticizing anybody's math. Thank you. I mean.
2: No, I, I, my the, the number that popped in my head was seventy-seven. That's what I'm going to go with Ooh, seventy-seven? Very
0: different. We've got, yeah. the like, scale. To be fair, we go in the middle of you both. One hundred and sixty-three, according to uh, wow. The trivia. Wow.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. So less than. Which is obviously
0: still like less than Scarface, but still one more than one per minute, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what i want to do for this show just to finish off before i get your two guys your final like opinion on the on the rating system um i'm gonna i've been using well i started in the last episode and i want to continue using letterbox i don't know if that's something you're familiar with or you both use or i think what it does is it's i'm not a big believer in rotten tomatoes um and i don't want to cite specific kind of critics as such i think this is a nice middle ground it is you know if you scroll through enough, you get past the people who are trying to be glib and funny and trying to um, become their own, get their own little corner of fame from it, and actually just get real fans talking about from 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 their perspective. So um, I trawled through hundreds and hundreds of reviews, and what I'm trying to do is find ones where they're talking about the state more specifically. So if you don't mind, I'm going to share a couple of those now. Yes. Yeah. So we have Danny B. While I don't think I'll ever be able to love Snatch as much as I did when I was a kid at this point, I still enjoy this a hell of a lot. It's Guy Ritchie's best film by an absolute mile in a very spotty, albeit entertaining, career. I kind of miss Jason Statham doing more reserved roles like this before becoming an action star, playing the same role in every film. Although I'm not complaining too much, as Statham action films can be damn good. So I thought that was, that really is kind of, that's nice, that summed up what we've said a lot of tonight which i think is interesting very
2: much so yeah i echo I, I mean i i don't i don't agree with that i mean i like this thing i like when i saw the trailer for the mag i'm like sold so like i don't mm. i don't rue that he doesn't do those like i like those i mean I, yeah so that's all i, mm. I would disagree with. This. no i'm
3: just agreeing that it touches on what we were saying yeah i that do there was a I definite totally shift Yeah, 100 percent
0: hmm
3: There was a conscious decision on his part to start making a different type of career move. Correct. Definitely. But it's probably a lot more profitable.
0: Definitely. Getting in those Fast and Furious movies, good move. Yeah. 100%. I've just got a couple more. So Justin Peterson, he says, writer and director Guy Ritchie compiled one hell of a zany gang of hilarious misfits in his stylish crime masterpiece Snatch. This was the first time I recall seeing Jason Statham in a movie, and I still think this is his best role as Turkish. It helps bring us into the story as the narrator. So again, playing that straight guy. I think it's interesting that people have obviously clamouring for a little bit more of this kind of role from Jason Statham. And then Chris FT says, In this film, Jason Statham does his best character acting, sans gimmicky stunts, something I'd love to see more of from him. Interesting. Yeah, there's kind of this clamor, I think, of people maybe uh, finding these later on, knowing they saved them for something else. I wanted yeah. to see a bit more of this from him.
3: I bet it would be different if you saw him as an action star first and then you see this and you're like, damn, mm. he can act, you know? Because mm. <laughs> he doesn't really have to act for some of the action roles. He just needs to look cool and tough. Mm. I,
0: I, Which he does look cool and tough. He
3: does.
2: Yes, he does. Yeah. And he does <laughs> all of those. He does that very well. That, yeah no you know and i get it you know it's like it's the choice it's funny um stallone did the same thing right stallone made a choice to mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. Go, i mean when you see night hawks they're like motherfucker and even the original rocky he's acting his balls off and mm. right. you know and it's like but he made a choice he could be like he's a
3: smart guy but he does not look like one. oh so my god don't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That on screen.
2: and that's the thing he knew he's like okay i mean because that original rambo isn't what the rest of the rambo movie though. the original rambo mm, is called no. first blood it's not the same thing first blood, yeah. yeah so it's like he those those movies that launched the tent poles were all totally different for him and so then he's just like all right fuck it i'm gonna be the guy who makes the expendable. and again that was his idea that was his brainchild because he's a genius but i think Statham. Uh-huh. i mean they're friends and and he, he stason obviously yeah. saw he's like well, i can go this way and work my ass off and do like dramatic gritty roles that make that are all indie movies or i could go and make a shit ton of money and then occasionally show up in wrath of man or occasionally show up in spy and show everybody what
3: i
0: can do yeah, yeah, yeah. spy is a good one yeah. right
3: make this much money and be able to work in whatever kind of yeah I because, because, then, because so, i don't have to worry about paying my bills right because the lowest copland is
2: genius i mean what a performance right and so it's like mm-hmm. i think he saw that i think and i think it's a, it's a shrewd move and you can say what you want but he's smarter than we are. I think Statham is. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, <laughs> you know what I
3: mean? Like, he's
2: smarter than not us, but like... the
3: crim- Yeah, no judgment.
2: No, you know what I mean? no judgment Exactly. The people who are giving him grief are like, well, no, no, I think he did. Uh, I, so, I hear that, but I, I think I totally am down with what he did. So.
3: I do think it's a difference of perspective, though. If you saw him in his earlier mm. movies first, and then he makes a shift, and you're like, oh, well done. But if you see him in these action mm. things, and then you're like, oh, he gave up doing this? For that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: As someone who's just receiving the entertainment value, I can see why they would have thoughts in that area. Sure. But I don't judge him because he's doing what's best for him.
0: I think he is loving life. So long, long may it continue, to be honest. Agreed. So in terms of this film, in terms of his performance in it, what do we think? I've got a three-scale system. I want you to tell me do you think this is a classic from amongst his filmography whether you think it's one that's worth catching or whether you think it's for completists only
3: i think it's classic
0: yeah so it's one that everyone should watch
2: yeah agreed it's classic it's it's classic all the way to all the way
0: Mm -hmm. for the film and for his performance and right all right yeah so that means this guy in his first two films has made two classics Yeah, Yeah. You agree, classic? Not a bad stuff.
3: I will agree with that. (laughs) But you do need to see them in order because you don't want to Mm. go backwards on this one. Like, (laughs) oh, wait, this one is a lot tighter.
0: Yeah. The growth here is, uh, I think the word I've been using is formidable. I think the difference between who he was and what's up to here is, it's almost like a different person.
2: Yeah. And he's worked hard and his confidence has grown.
0: So, yeah. It shows.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Classic. And it's deserved. Absolutely
0: all right guys well then thank you very much for coming on the show let's wrap up here i really appreciate um, you providing your time and your unique perspective uh tony would you like to go first and let people know where they can find you online and what they can expect from you in the near future
3: that's funny because you say tony and tanya almost exactly the same <laughs> i'm just going to assume you said me because i'm the girl and you're very you're a gentleman I am Ms. Tanya Todd. You can find me across social media at Ms. Tanya Todd. And my website is Ms. Tanya Todd You can also find me on IMDb. Not quite in a movie with the state yet, but I'm working on it.
2: You are in a film with Michael Madsen, which we get six degrees of separation mm. our way to the state.
3: <laughs> yeah, let's work on that.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exciting. When does that Michael Madsen vampire movie come out? When yeah. I get to see that.
3: That is a very good question. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I've done my job, I can't do anything more than that.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
3: Maybe if we get enough people watching your show to start, you know, hassling the producers. Mm. When is this coming out? When are we getting the, we want the premiere? What is, is this <coughs> happening? It says this on your website. Why hasn't it come out yet?
1: <laughs>
3: Let's start on that, Tony. You got it. I want to
2: see it. I'll buy, I'm in the plan on buying it mm. when it comes out. So tell them that's one sale. In-
3: all I've seen is the updated trailer. That's all I have. Mm. Which I don't think I sent you the updated one. No, way, I would like that, though,
0: for sure. Mm. For sure. Yeah. I'll send we- it your way. You know you've got two fans here. We're all in. 100 percent. thank you
3: yes. sure. <laughs> two is better
0: than zero <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's many more but just there happens to be two of us in this call yes tony Sarah from you
2: you can go to i've got a website arfaruna.com that's where my stuff is i have i have left the social medias for my own personal reasons and but i i, I am a supporter of my friends so you should follow them on the social medias and um mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm on the comics emotion network and uh the pop gorillas and so you can just find me around those places doing stuff and um Probably by the time this comes out, we will have just completed our Friday the 13th Mayhem Month on Pop Gorillas because that is we hate each other, apparently, and we've decided (laughs) let's hate each other and make each other watch these awful movies. But it's been fun. So that's where I am. So thanks for having me on. I'm very excited about this new project. I can't wait to hear it as it goes.
0: I think we'll be deep in the midst. So I think two weeks' time, we'll be right in the midst of there. So this will be a welcome relief amongst the, the Friday the Thirteenth, maybe a bit of a break for for everyone, yeah. for their sanity.
3: <laughs> Those were not made as art. Those were, yeah. Made <laughs> <us>. yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening and partaking in this journey with me through this filmography. I have been. I'm Jack's musings, and just because. For some reason, me and my sister like to make our lives complicated. I'm going to have to spell that out. That's J-A-C-S. And you can also find me on Twitter where I am most active. You can also contact the show directly on Twitter under the name Back to the Film OG. Please make sure with any interactions you use the hashtag, follow the filmography. This show has been presented to you by the Pop Grillers, a collection of hive minds who provide spoiler-free reviews of anything from pop culture in less time than it takes to listen to a song. I'm also a proud member of the Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I am Jack signing off. Yippee-ki-yay, movie lovers.